Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Kelly of lovewellblog.com is here today, and oh my goodness, do we have a big episode for you. You all have been asking for this, and we are here to deliver a show all about the holidays. Today, we're going to offer some awesome strategies for navigating sticky dynamics at those holiday gatherings. We're going to try to troubleshoot your questions about holiday travel and what to do with all of the stuff that the holidays bring. And finally, we ask you all to share some fun holiday traditions, strategies, and ideas for having an awesome holiday season. And we're going to be sharing those at the end of the show. Oh my goodness, Kelly. I'm so glad that you are known for your devotion to loving people well, (laughs) because if there is any spot on the calendar that calls for that, it is the holidays. So I'm so glad that you are the one that's tackling this topic with me. But let's go ahead and start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. So what do you have for us? Okay, my Awesome of the Week actually goes right into the theme of the holidays. Because, you know, I don't know if it's like this at your house, but as soon as that calendar flips really to mid-October, those Christmas catalogs start to flood my mailbox. Oh, yeah. And I would say that probably 75% of them go straight to my trash because... Anymore, I've learned that if I leave them around, my kids start to go through them and then they're like, oh, my goodness, the gimmies. Yes, the gimmies. It becomes like an epidemic, a raging epidemic, and we haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. But this is one catalog that I love to see, and that's my awesome of the week. It is Mindware. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a toy company. Yes, you know. Okay, so they're actually a Minnesota company, which I didn't realize when I first started getting their stuff, but that makes me, you know, just hometown happy. But really, their stuff is online. If you're not familiar with them as a company, their tagline is Brainy Toys for Kids of All Ages. Yes. And they have such smart, creative, thoughtful toys, toys that are played with again and again, toys that are played with in unique and new ways. We have so many of these. So when I got my catalog, and I was looking through it this year, I thought this should be an awesome of the week because we have the Cuba Maze, 
which is something that they have that's kind of like an obstacle course. You get little metal marbles that you can build things and watch the different ways the marbles come down. We have one of their magnet sets that comes with its own carrying case. It's perfect for like those grade schoolers or even just preschoolers where they get all these different shaped and colored magnets. And it even comes with cards to kind of inspire the imagination to say, Hey, look at, you could make a person on a train if you combine them this way. My kids love those. They stick them on anything that's metal in my house. They like to make people. They like to make the actual card definition things. Yeah. We have so many things and it's given me so many ideas. I think that's my favorite thing about looking through a catalog like this is saying, I never would have thought about getting a microscope for my son, but I bet he would love it. Or, you know, they have on the front cover of the one I just got a pottery wheel. Mm -hmm. It's a small little pottery wheel for kids. You know, there's lip gloss making sets and chemistry sets. They have those extreme dot to dots, which actually even my high schoolers love and they have puzzle books. So it's just a fantastic, if you're thinking already, oh my word, I do not know what to get my kids. And I mean, we can probably even address that a little bit in this show, kind of a little (laughs) bit of a, a different topic, but I would urge you to look at Mindware. Just because it's got really creative, unique toys, toys that last, toys that appeal to both boys and girls, um, and they're really imaginative. And I love that as a parent. I love that as a gift giver, that I'm giving something that will keep kids' imagination and their brain going past that, you know, first when you first get that toy and you open it and it flies to the air and they're like, now what? Right. Yes. So they're just so much fun. I love that. Mindware is a great company. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Just this past week, my friend Vanessa texted me and said, I have no idea what to get my tween for Christmas this year. And she mentioned that when kids grow out of that like little kid toy stage, oh my goodness, it's so hard. They do have ideas. And a lot of times it's maybe some kind of electronics or a device or something. But I love Mindware that it does, like you said, it has those Uh, open-ended play or creative play or science-based play that will keep kids busy and learning while they're playing. So that is such a great company. I'm so glad you reminded us of that. Well, my Awesome of the Week is a little shallow, but (laughs) it is a great go-to not only for the holidays, but really year-round. It is such a secret weapon for the tired woman. I almost said tired mom, but let's face it. (laughs) Women of all ages and stages, (laughs) we are busy. We are running the world. So this is helpful for anybody. This is a, uh, it's a makeup product that you can get at your drugstore. It is by Maybelline. And I found this, I was laughing because almost everything beauty related in my life I is is tangentially related to Laura in some way. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> She's the expert in our world. She's the expert sure. in our world. But I found this in the comment section of one of her beauty posts on Hollywood Housewife. I cannot remember which one. It has been a while since I found it. But it's a Maybelline eyeshadow and it's called Color Tattoo. They have a whole line of them called Color Tattoo. And it's a loose, I'm showing Kelly right now. This is not helping you all as you're listening, but <laughs> it comes in it comes in a little like a little makeup pot. It's a loose powder. And uh, so it's a loose powder, and you just put it on. I mean, I just put it on my fingertips because I'm not very sophisticated, but you could use, you know, your your favorite eyeshadow brush or whatever to apply it. 
the color that I want to tell you all about that has been such a help to me as I've gone through, especially <laughs> the tired mom stage since the twins have been born. I mean, we just, none of us sleep very much anymore. They're, they're better than ever. I have to give them credit, but there's still the random middle of the night wake ups. Okay, this color, this particular shade is called Barely Brazen. It's a really great, just kind of a light, almost like a sparkly champagne color. Yes. I just do it on my whole lid and it gives your eyes such an awake look. In fact, I was laughing so much this morning. I had to take my van in to have it serviced at nine this morning. And since I had just gotten the girls to school and set the twins up with their dad to be at home, uh, I did not put on a stitch of makeup. And so I'm sitting there in the uh, sort of waiting area while they work on the van. And I am not kidding you, Kelly. Three people walked by and were like, oh, hey, uh, we have coffee if... (laughs) You need a cup of coffee. (laughs) What are you saying? By the time the second person said it, I was like, no, I'm good. And then when the third person offered it, I was like, wow, should have put on at least some lipstick, maybe a little eye color before I left. (laughs) But just, I'm going to say it again. It's Maybelline, the color tattoo series, barely brazen. It is a great, it's like $5, I think. I can't remember. It is not, it's not very expensive. It's a drugstore product. Put that into your makeup bag. Keep it on hand for those days when you need a little extra perkiness around the eyes. It's a great go-to to have on hand. Yeah, and I would think it would actually be really good at the holidays too, not only because we are extra tired often, but because it has that sparkle and yes, sheen to it. It does. Which is kind of a glittery eye without being overstated. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yes. So, all right, here we go, Kelly. Speaking of prepping for the holidays, you and I were talking before we started recording that, oh my goodness, how are we possibly talking about the holidays already? But guess what? They're here. Yes. Whether we're ready or not. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, you all have been asking for us to talk about the holidays and we are here to give you what you want. We have some ideas. We have some tips. We have some suggestions. We actually opened the floor to the readers of the show's newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, you can do that super simply at tinyletter.com slash sorta awesome. I only send them out like maybe once a month, maybe twice a month if I'm feeling extra motivated. Uh, They just have updates from the show as well as little extra things that I come across that I think you might be interested in. Well, this particular round of newsletter, I opened it up to the readers of the newsletter and said, hey, we're getting ready to do a show about the holidays. Do you have questions that we can tackle? Do you have advice or even just something really awesome that you do at the holidays that you would like to share with the awesome nation? out there that's listening. And you all uh, answered in full force. So we picked some of our favorites to share with you. And we're going to get to some of that later. Before we dive into that, Kelly, you and I have talked about as we plan the show, that one of the biggest challenges, particularly for um, touchy feely types like you and I (laughs) are, uh, where relationships are really big deal. One of the big, like, um, sort of pitfalls of the holidays is that inevitably we run into sticky dynamics, right? Yes. Right. People stuff. That's what makes the holidays so tricky for me is that you're getting together with people that you maybe don't see all the time or at least all at once. You know, you may see those cousins and that aunt and uncle and that grandma, but then they're all together usually. And then people say things and do things. And I'm just wanting to crawl in a corner. Honestly, I think that that's half of my dread of the holidays is just having to face all of the dynamics and and just wanting to run away and hide instead of face the potential conflict. 
I, <laughs> I've never worded it that way, but I am the same way. Like people doing people things really stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> Could we all just be in our best behavior? And we are. I mean, right. lots of times we are. <laughs> so it makes it worse. <laughs> I know it does make it worse. We are all trying our best. And still, still, even when everybody has the best intentions, even in the best of family or friend dynamics, I mean, there's just always the possibility that you're going to find yourself in the midst of a conversation like, how did I get here and how do I get out of this? <laughs> yes. So through the years, I have gathered, because I am such a complete ninny about getting into conversations like that, I have gathered some strategies that I fall back on, especially around the holidays with family or, you know, just other gatherings. If you have an office party or a church get-together, community parties, like Kelly said, we're all getting together with people around the clock when the holidays roll around. So these are some strategies that I find I go back to time and again. The first one I'm going to tell you about is called the bean dip strategy. (laughs) Okay, this sounds good. (laughs) Not only is it helpful, it's delicious. (laughs) A twofer, (laughs) win-win. Okay, the bean dip strategy came to my life through a message board that I used to be active on years and years ago. It was a message board really geared towards uh, gentle mothering practices. And I think it's helpful no matter what season of life you're in. This was particularly applicable when I had little babies, you know, and especially when it's your first baby and everybody wants to gather around you and give you their helpful advice and ask all of the questions about what are you doing about this and that. What I learned from the bean dip strategy, and I'm going to explain why it's called that here in a minute, um, is that you can disengage from a conversation that you don't want to have simply by just changing the subject. Now, that's not always easy to do. And so the bean dip strategy works like this. Let's say that you have your brand new baby at uh, Christmas dinner and your grandmother-in-law wants to ask about, are you, um, are you breastfeeding or bottle feeding? I'm just going to throw that out as yeah. an example because that's you know often talked about. Um, and then she wants to tell you her story about how uh, she had tried to breastfeed, but then she ended up having to go to formula and you know, the story goes on and then she wants to know what you're doing. The bean dip strategy goes like this. Wow, that is really interesting. Can you please pass the bean dip? <laughs> Or if somebody wants to get you into some kind of, I don't know, political or Mm -hmm. social debate, something along those lines, all you have to do is, you know, thanks for telling me your opinion about that. Hey, could you pass the bean dip? (laughs) (laughs) The idea being that you do not have to engage every conversation that you're invited to. Now, of course, you want to be polite and friendly, but... Sometimes, particularly those of us who are more intuitive types, can tell when someone is baiting us, right? Yes, absolutely. To get us into a conversation that's not appropriate to have at that time, or that you just know that there's not going to be a win in you guys having that conversation at that time. So the bean dip strategy is just a reminder, you don't have to rationalize or explain all of your choices to everybody. Some people will just say instead of pass the bean dip, especially when it comes to parenting stuff, but this can apply to a lot of things, uh, particularly if you're being challenged on a choice you've made, simply saying something like, we've done our research and we're comfortable with our decision. And then just Keep repeating that script, even if they keep challenging you on it, just keep going back to it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that insight. We've done our research and we're super comfortable with our decision. Right. And just not allow yourself to be goaded into a conversation that is not going to go well. 
Yes, that's very wise. I love that. And I will be now making bean dip at all major <laughs> holidays <laughs> yes. so that I can employ it most successfully. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Okay. The second one is call is a strategy called tiny C. Tiny C stands for this is not your child. Now, I learned this again coming from the natural parenting paradigm a lot of times because parents in that paradigm really and truly do a lot of research, particularly if they're making a choice that goes against the mainstream. A lot of times they have that research in their back pocket so they can just, you know, this is why we did this and this is what we have come to believe. It can be super hard then when you're around parents who are parenting from a different paradigm, to not want to interject your opinions onto them. So sort of the opposite end of that conversation. Um, So say, for example, you have done all of the research and you are super profoundly convinced that cloth diapering is the way to go. And then you see your cousin there at Christmas with these horrible, awful disposable diapers on her baby, (laughs) which my twins are in right now as we're recording. Which I use, so (laughs) just that we're balancing the conversation. Right, right. So instead of feeling the need like you need to interject, you know, without being asked about opinions on, on diapering or whatever the topic is, a great thing to remember is tiny C. This is not your child, whether it has to do with um, eating choices or sleeping choices or health choices, all of those things. Every parent gets to make their own decisions about what's going on with their kid. Now, of course, if you saw something that was genuinely concerning to the health and well-being of a child, then you would have to make a different decision. But when it just comes to those things where it's kind of like either or a matter of preference, what works for that family it might help you to keep your opinions to yourself unless asked to just remember tiny C, this is not your child. Okay, the last one has to do with boundaries. Okay, <laughs> big B word. The I was wondering when big. that was going to come up. It comes up in a lot of holiday discussions. And it's for a good reason. For a good reason. Because it can be super hard to hang on to your own boundaries or to recognize when somebody is kind of crossing a boundary with you. Before I share this with you, I mean, I think it's just a good reminder to think about when it comes to boundaries, boundaries serve the purpose of keeping bad stuff out and holding the good stuff in. Some of us were raised in various uh, schools of thought where boundaries seem like they're not loving or they make you aloof or they're selfish. I mean, there's a variety of negative things to associate with boundaries, but really when it comes down to it, in terms of our family lives, our private lives, all it does is it keeps the bad stuff out, it keeps the good stuff in. So years and years ago, I was so stressed out about some holiday decisions, and it had to do with travel and who was going to be at whose house when, which we're going to talk about that here Mm -hmm. in just a few minutes. But I was feeling so stressed because a family member was so outright angry with me because of a choice we had made about a holiday location. Just leave it at that. And a friend of mine who's a counselor kind of gave me a script to help allow me to do some positive self-talk just for myself. This isn't a script that I was sharing with anybody else, just self-talk for myself so that I would not get in such a bad place in my own mind that I couldn't fully enjoy the holiday that was happening around me because I was so worried about how unhappy this family member was with me about this decision. So I'm going to read through this script, but also I wrote about this years and years ago on the blog. So I will definitely put a link in the show notes to this script. So if you wanted to have a written copy of it, if you're like me and you're kind of 
um, well, you've got some work to do on boundaries, <laughs> which I still do after all these years, but I'm getting better. Then you can look this up, but I'm just going to read through the script. And it's kind of a fill in the blank, like whatever person um, is kind of intruding on your enjoyment of the holidays for whatever reason, you kind of fill in their name. I'm going to use, as I read through the script, I'm going to use my mom as an example, because that is crazy. This would never happen. My mom is so like the most loving, gentle, supportive person on the planet. But so just for the sake of reading through the script, I will use that as an example. So the script goes like this. I am not responsible for my mother's happiness. If my mother is mad, that is her feeling, and it doesn't have to affect me. I cannot make my mother be happy. This one was a big one for me. It's okay that I am happy and she is not. That's the huge part for me is because I feel so much guilt mm -hmm. that somebody might possibly be unhappy with a choice I've made. So that one was huge. Good boundaries mean that I don't let her attitude ruin my holiday. And this last one was really big for me too. Good boundaries also mean that my feelings matter just as much as hers and I might need to call her out on it. Ooh. Yes, that one's a tough one because I do not like confrontation. I'd rather let's just all pretend we're all fine. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm good with that. I like that whole denial approach. That's yes. like my number one yes. <laughs> go-to. Uh, but so sometimes, really, when we're enforcing boundaries, sometimes it's okay to just let it go and just be in the moment and enjoy our own thing. But sometimes, and you only you can know when that moment is, but sometimes you do need to call out the person and, and make a conversation out of it. So that was my third one. That boundary script has been so... So helpful to me because gosh Kelly so many feelings are on the line so many expectations that it can be really hard to just kind of zero in on where am I in this moment so yeah you yeah. know I would even say I would add it's not going to be as good as your list <laughs> but boundaries kind of clearly stated from the get-go of a holiday gathering especially if you're in some sort of a leadership or hosting role so then you have the right to say something like that, just to say, you know, this is, for example, Thanksgiving. So let's focus on what we're grateful for and the fact that we're all here together. And let's not talk about politics or social issues, you know, for six or eight hours. Like, I'm not trying to censor you forever. I'm not trying to say that you can't have opinions, that you can't discuss them, but let's not do it here. And I think there are some gracious ways to set those boundaries of a gathering to just try to say, let's focus on what we have in common and not what we don't. And so right from the front, you're setting the rules of the gathering. For me, I, I did that a few years ago for a Thanksgiving thing that I was hosting in my own house. And it took a lot of the stress away from me too. And I had to kind of say all those things to myself. You know, this can make people unhappy. And I did get a little sarcastic pushback, like, you know, thought police sort of a thing. Right. And that was okay. You know, I was like, hey, my house, my rules, you know. Right, yeah. Um, so that's been a good thing for me to remember. Of course, if I'm not hosting, then you kind of have to go into it with the attitude of the, at least I'm going to do this. Right. You know, yes. I'm going to say, I want to keep it positive. I want this to be a happy memory for my children or for, for us. We could talk about some of these things another time. It doesn't right. have to be here. Right. Oh, that's such a great way to look at it. So helpful. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
Okay, well, like I said, we asked the readers of the newsletter to give us some ideas about what questions we could tackle for you. This first one is actually a question not only from a newsletter reader, but also one that has come up in our Hangout group on Facebook a couple of times and phrased in different ways with different specific situations. And it has to do with this big bugaboo of a problem at the holidays, and that is travel. And who do you go see when? Who do you want to have come to your house? How do you manage seeing all the people all the time through the holidays? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard because as you move into adulthood, and whether you're single or married or whatever the case may be, People move, people are far across the country from each other, but even when you're in the same town, there's still all of these knots to untangle when it comes to the holidays. So we've talked about it in the Hangout group some, but I wanted just to address it on the show as well. This question comes to us from uh, sort of awesome listener Cordelia. She wrote, we have small children, four and two-year-olds, and until last year, we lived a plane ride away from our extended families. Last year, we moved closer, but it's still a bit of a drive away. We're about four and a half to five hours away from both sets of grandparents, and the grandparents are two hours away from each other as well. She wrote, we need to develop a routine for how we handle holiday visits. Like, where do we go on Thanksgiving? Where do we go on Christmas? And this is all new territory for us. We also want to carve out some time for our family in our own home on Christmas Day. I'd love to hear how you and others handle scheduling holiday visits with extended family. What routines are helpful and do you follow the same schedule every year? Now, Kelly, you and Corey have been married for a long time. So, and I know you've lived all over the country and you have family members who've kind of been in different locations uh, across the country throughout the years. So I would love to hear from you what this has looked like in your family. Well, for us, it was in some ways simple because when we got married, we had this very unique situation, which was that my husband's parents and family had traditionally celebrated Christmas, at least that one holiday, on Christmas Eve. They opened presents on Christmas Eve. That was when they often saw extended family. And my family celebrated Christmas on Christmas Day. So when Corey and I got married and we moved out of state and we would come back for our, you know, one annual visit to Minnesota to see family and they were all still here, that was an easy way for us to split it up. It felt very natural to say, well, we will stay the first half of our vacation through Christmas Eve with Corey's parents. And then that evening, after all the festivities had wrapped up, we packed up and we went to my parents' house and we were there for Christmas Day in the second half of our vacation. Christmas is a nice holiday for that because there is kind of a dual holiday going on. You have two big days that people recognize, usually have the day off of work, are holiday days. So if you're able to split it up that way, I think that's good. Thanksgiving, I think, is tougher. Yes. Because it's a one holiday thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So to go back to how we did it, you know, that was how we did it when we were um, newly married and young. I have so many friends who have family across the country or family that are here or family that are divorced and both are remarried. So now they have four sets of grandparents to go visit. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I have talked to endlessly with friends, been so fascinated to hear how every family deals with it. And of course, I've read tons of advice columns about this very topic because I love advice columns. So the big thing that I've taken away from all of these is that once you have the kids, you hold the trump card. That is when the weight shifts to you and you get to say, I am now 
creating memories for my own children, for my own family. And so I'm not just a part of this extended family like I was when I was younger. So it's time for me to start to set my own boundaries. So I feel like, you know, that Cordelia having a four-year-old and a two-year-old is able to now start to say, hey, families, we want to start to set some memories for our own kids. And we'd still like to see you, but we would like to incorporate that into the mix. And, And you're going to have to, unfortunately, oftentimes tip over the apple basket, right? To, to reset traditions, to say to all of your family and all the feelings and all the people that are involved, I th- I'm going to propose a new way. Right. So I have seen a lot of families do kind of like what she's talking about, which is to say they want their kids to wake up in their own beds on Christmas morning. Yes. So whatever that takes, I have some friends who go to see one side of the family, you know, Christmas Eve, the day before, and then they drive home. And lots of times, I think families are able to say, and I've seen this played out so many times, and I think it works best, that we want just our nuclear immediate family there for a little bit on Christmas Day. You don't want Christmas Day to have to be all about all the relationships, all the managing, all the travel. So being able to carve out even half a day, Christmas morning, you know, through lunch, just for you and your immediate family, your kids, that sort of a thing. And then maybe taking Christmas dinner on the road and going to see maybe the other side of the family or somebody else. And for sure, you don't have to limit it to those holidays. You know, people do the weekend before. People will do the weekend after. They will do um, even New Year's. I've seen people say, hey, we're going to gather and do Christmas again because, because that's what works this year. We have fallen into a pretty predictable routine of how the holidays work for our family. So when she was asking do you follow the same schedule every year? We found something that works. So we don't deviate too much. Now, my sister and my parents just this last calendar year moved back to Minnesota. Right. Yeah. So you guys so, have a whole new ball game going on right. now. So I had to vox my sister a week ago or so and say, whoa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do we do? What are we going to do? We're going to have to get a plan. But, you know, it wasn't hard to incorporate just because of the way the family dynamics ran. It's not all that different. Um of how we're going to just do it. You know, we do, again, Christmas Eve with my in-laws and Thanksgiving I've traditionally hosted because then we can kind of just get everybody and it it worked out. But I don't think you need to feel like you have to find this one schedule that will apply from now until your children leave the nest or, or whatever. You know, feel free to be flexible to say, hey, this year we're going to go do this or that year we're going to do that. I do think that the trading off thing, you know, if you have family in town, but, you know, your spouse's or your partner's family is in a different town to say, well, we're going to be here this year and then we're going to go there that year. I think that's what a lot of people do for Thanksgiving since it is kind of that one weekend shot. Right. I I would say go for that. I would say the biggest thing is just being comfortable enough in your own skin to set your own traditions, to step back and say, this is what I need to do for the well-being and the memories and the happiness even of my own family and, and setting that kind of in place first. You know that old metaphor about the rocks and the sand in the jar yes. that you have to put the big rocks in before you put everything else in. I would say what are our big rocks for our holidays that we want to put in the jar first and then we'll start to fill in. So just figure out what, whatever that is, whatever it would be for you. That totally makes sense. I think that you are so right in that it doesn't have to be the same way every single year. We have navigated around and people have had to navigate around us. In fact, I was just thinking about this, that when Kyle was coaching, that was 11 years of our life. 
almost every year that he was coaching, he was working on Thanksgiving. So sometimes I was in whatever town we lived in at the time, but sometimes I would drive to see family by myself and it wasn't ideal, but you just have to kind of roll with it sometimes. So I think that, yeah, navigating what is true and what is workable for that year is a great way to look at it. Now, like you said, sometimes you do fall into routines. We kind of have fallen into the routine that we do Thanksgiving with my husband's family because they we all live within 45 minutes of each other. My parents live several states away, and so we kind of put the priority on actual Christmas time celebration with them because they drive into Oklahoma to see us. So that's kind of where we have landed, but not necessarily because we intentionally were like, we will do Thanksgiving with the Teetses only, we will do Christmas with the Harrises only, and that's how it is. Right, <laughs> it just, right. Just ended up being that way. So yeah, I think being flexible, and I really like that idea that once you have kids, especially as they get old enough to be cognizant of the holidays right. and to have actual memories, that you can start to stake your ground and say, this is our choice for this holiday. So right. And that goes back to boundaries. And that's a tough one. It really is. I've read so many advice columns with stories that make me kind of shiver in my boots thinking about, you know, like it's the the mother or the mother-in-law who's saying, everyone needs to be at my house on Christmas morning to open presents. No grandchildren will open presents until they are seated beneath my tree. And so now, you know, the, the younger parents are having to say, uh, no. And, you know, the older one is like, you dare defy right. my Christmas, you know, traditions. <laughs> and so it gets, it can get very contentious. So just yes. knowing what is important to you, hopefully most of our listeners don't have to deal with something that is so kind of extreme and very tension filled, but you know, being able to say, I'm not going to, I'm sorry that that makes you unhappy, right? but I'm not going to own that. So yeah, yeah. Do what's best for you. It's a tricky one, but I love what you had to share there. Okay, our next question is another one that we have heard in various um, incarnations of, around the Hangout group. And I know a lot of people are kind of talking about this this time of year. One of our listeners, Rebecca, not our Rebecca, not the show's Rebecca, but a different Rebecca, had this question for us. And I'm sure many of us can relate to this. So she wrote, I am looking forward to your holiday show. She said, I live for the holidays. She even had a wedding on December 4th. It featured a Christmas tree and her dress had tiny poinsettias embroidered on it. So Rebecca is a big fan of the holidays. So she wrote, my question has to do with keeping my cheerful attitude throughout the month. I find that I'm trying to make magical holiday memories for our family, but Inevitably, I overplan our calendar, overspend our budget, overestimate my kitchen abilities, and end up with at least one holiday meltdown. I really try to simplify, but I think I need a holiday mantra or something to help me stay present and happy. I don't want my kids to remember Christmas as the times their mother went crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So made me laugh. Made me laugh too. I can relate in so many ways. Kelly, when I read Rebecca's question, I thought of our friend, Laura Lynn, who several years ago on her blog, um, and we've featured uh, Laura Lynn on here before, on her blog, Vita Familiae, uh, wrote a blog post called To the Mamas of Littles During the Holidays. Mm-hmm. And I am just, I'm gonna share just a little bit of this. I will put a link into the show notes if you want to read the whole thing. It is so good. But she wrote kind of beginning this letter to the young mama of tiny people. She talks about kind of seeing us on 
uh, various social media platforms just looking crazy, crazy eyes or sad eyes because we failed at something. Uh, she writes, I read your Facebook status, the one where you can't figure out how to get everything done with little people underfoot. Oh, honey, I hear ya. And then she writes that if she had time, she would pet your hair, apply you with coffee, speak in soothing tones. She says, but you're short on time these days, and I know these holidays are looming large on your calendar. You've got lists a mile long of obligations and cute things you pinned on Pinterest to do for your tiny people. And that's really sweet of you. You're a good mama who is anxious to make good memories for her people and to celebrate with her loved ones. Well done, you. But let me put it to you straight. Do less stuff. Mm-hmm. Lower your expectations for what is humanly possible in one day. Now, think about how many toddlers you have and lower them again. (laughs) She wrote, and I love this part. I actually, even though I only half of my children are tiny, (laughs) I still have to go back to this advice so often. Oh, yeah. She wrote, you have all the reasons in the world. Imagine me pointing to those sticky little fingers that even now are exploring your nose while you read to say no right now even to yourself when you want to do something fun. If it makes you yell, it's a no every time. Yes. Got to take food to a place and know that you'll end up screaming while you cook? No, I can't right now. We'll swing by and pick up a bucket of chicken. If baking cookies and watching your kids sling sprinkles all over the kitchen is going to make you yell today, then no, don't do it. This is the part I really love. She writes, always choose the relationship with your kids over the Advent activity that makes you scream. Always choose the simple over the pinnable. And she writes, listen, the only person who expects you to accomplish all the things on that list is you. You must extend to yourself the grace that others are already extending in your direction. And she goes on to write more. Like I said, I'll put that link in the show notes. But that mantra, do less stuff, Mm-hmm. was a game changer for me when Laura Lynn wrote this a couple of years ago. Because I think that, you know, as our listener Rebecca wrote, we have the best of intentions. Not only do we feel like everybody else is doing all this magical holiday stuff, so we better get on the bandwagon and do it too, but many of us genuinely do want to do all those fun things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, if it's something that's making you crazy, it's not worth it. Right. I really feel like I've kind of conmaried my holidays. Yes. You know, it's the same idea that mantra of do less stuff is so important. And I related to this. That's the reason I laughed when she said it, because I have been there and done that. And the last five to six years have been a process for me of ruthlessly eliminating things from my life in general, but also from the holiday season, especially that steal the joy Mm -hmm. that don't bring me joy that I'm doing because I think I should or because I think other people care um, so that I can enjoy the holidays and actually build relationships with the people. I think if we all simmered it down to what we think the holidays are about, it's really about the people. None of us really believe it's about decorating the Christmas tree or eating the cookies. It's about making the memories with the people that we love while we do those things. So if we are so crazy-eyed and frustrated and pushed all the way to the very edge of ourselves that we can't enjoy the very things that we are trying to do so that we can enjoy them, that's a huge red light. Something is wrong. I remember hosting a Thanksgiving gathering many years ago. It was before we had kids. And because we lived in San Diego, we had 
a tradition of hosting all of our friends that also weren't from San Diego. And so most of us always just went back home for Christmas. And it was such a fun day. And we did all these things and we played games and we watched football and, you know, people brought food and I made food and we played nerds. It was just fantastic. And I was so busy all day trying to get everything done and make sure everything, you know, was right that I went to bed and I was like, I never was even thankful. Yeah. You know, I never had that moment where I was like able to absorb what was going on around me. And I was so sad. I felt like the whole holiday had become empty. Mm, yeah. And I was like, this isn't going to happen again. Right. This isn't going to happen again. And so it was since then and it trickled down. But especially since I've had kids, have I said, maybe pick three things. And for me, what I had to do was I started to cut back and then I kind of went the other direction. I said, instead of saying, what do I not want to do? I said, what do I want to do? Absolutely. Yes. You know, instead of trying to say, well, out of this hundred things on Pinterest that I have pinned, instead of eliminating five, (laughs) how about just choose five? Right. And it's kind of horrifying when you look at it that way about how laser focused you might have to be on prioritizing, but man, has it just completely changed the tempo of the holidays around our house. And I like the idea, and I know one of our readers talks about it too, who wrote in about asking your kids yes, I was going what to they say like that. to do. So maybe we'll get to that. But I also have to say, and we can put this in the show notes too, but if you haven't seen it already, the Christmas commercials are coming out as well as the Christmas um, catalogs. Ikea has a commercial that they made that is really, it's in like Swedish, so there's subtitles. But they ask kids to write a letter to essentially Santa. It's to the three kings. It's mm-hmm. their tradition. What do you want for Christmas? Since the kids sit down, they're writing, you know, rocket ship, a dog, a ball, all the things. And then they say, write a letter to your mom and dad and tell them what you want for Christmas. And the kids are all, hmm, I don't know. You know, they're, they're looking up and they're chewing on their pencil, but they write a few things down. And this is why I'm going to try not to cry. At the end, they give the letters to the parents. You know, here's what they wanted from Santa or from the three kings. And here's what they want from you. And the letters that went to the parents were all, I just want to play games with you. I just want to sit down and color with you. I just want to go to the movies with you. It's just us. They just want us. They don't need the toys. They don't really want all this stuff, even though they say they do. It's the relationship. So when I now look at my holidays, I say, even though all this stuff is fun, what do I do that will truly let me enter into the moment be present with my kids and really enjoy it. And of course, that's going to be different for every person. So we can't tell you what those three or five things are. But it's really helped me, even as hard as it was, to learn to pare down and admit that I'm not a superhuman. Right. <laughs> or admit that there really are only 24 hours in only a day. Only 24 for every person. Yep. I could have sworn <laughs> I got, you know. But yeah, that's been really, really helpful and a huge key to enjoying the next few months. You know, I don't dread December like I used to. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a really huge difference when you, like you said, you co-maria, you look at the list and say, what actually sparks joy here? You had mentioned this, one of our uh, longtime and very faithful listeners, Alyssa, wrote in, and she had a great practical way to do this. You kind of alluded to this. She likes to go ahead and plan out holiday activities for her her kids over Advent. Um, And some of her Advent activities were super practical things like uh, write holiday notes to your teachers, uh, go to the church musical. So things they would be doing anyway, go on the list. But she wrote, last year I was feeling overwhelmed with the logistics of assigning activities each day. 
So I asked my kids to tell me their list of important holiday stuff. Turns out their holiday must-dos are decorating Christmas cookies and making silly Elf Yourself videos online. Now I can prioritize their priorities and let some other things go, which is what you were just saying. Um, we kind of do this, I call this my zoo strategy because every time we go to the zoo, which we live like 10 minutes from the zoo in Oklahoma City, so we go often. Every time we go, I just ask the big girls, What's the one animal you want to see before we walk out of here today? Because Oklahoma City Zoo is beautiful, but is large and involves a lot of walking. So we're not going to see every animal every time we go. So I always am like, one animal, one exhibit, that's it. That is your must see for the day. So it's the same idea with the holidays. What is your thing that you really, really, like Alyssa said, what's your must do on your list and then that helps you so much to focus. And, you know, the, the grown-ups they might like to have their must-dos as well. So make a list starting there. And then any other little things that you get to are just going to be like little holiday bonuses for you. So Right, right. And it might surprise you when you ask the people in your life, you know, what is the one or two things that it just wouldn't be the holidays if we don't do these things? You might be surprised at what they say. I know that when my mom started to do this, she asked us, and I remember her thinking, she said this to us later, I, all these things I thought were the most meaningful were not the things that you guys cared about. And so yeah. I thought, why am I driving myself crazy to do these things when it's not the things that you really look forward to the most as children in my house? So true. Well, that is some of our advice. We would love to hear from you all in the Hangout group or on Twitter. Find us on Instagram, and we will continue this conversation if you have some advice to share with Rebecca as well. I have one more question from a listener to tackle. It has to do with gifts. And I am so bad, you guys. I forgot to write down which listener suggested this question. So apologies to you, Amazing Awesome, who sent him this question. Uh, she asked, "What do you, first of all, do you send thank you gifts for Christmas presents? So super practical question. And then <laughs> this is the question for everybody on everybody's yeah. mind. How do you battle the mountains of presents and sugary treats without being a Christmas Scrooge? So first of all, I'm just going to confess right out of the gate. We do not send thank you notes for Christmas presents. I We don't either. Oh my gosh. I want to be that kind of person. I do. I know that somewhere right now, Laura Tremaine is shaking her head at me because <laughs> she is a huge evangelist for the thank you note, but we just don't. It's not on my list anymore, or maybe it never has been. <laughs> Anymore. Yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, and I don't know if Laura would um, approve of this, but what we've kind of done is done thank you notes in different ways. So we video, like if yeah, there's family that has sent gifts, we video them opening it and then saying thank you. And then we send that. Or if you can even do it on Skype or something live, that's even better. Although that puts a lot of pressure on the kids sometimes. But we just like to acknowledge the gift, maybe call them. But the actual writing down and mailing and stamping cards, I don't know, something about that. We've just let that go. I, we have to. We really have. I mean, I'm barely, barely clinging on to still sending Christmas cards. So thank you notes do not get sent. But we do the same thing. Just some kind of something. Take a picture of the child with the gift, a phone call. There's all different ways that you can show gratitude without sending thank you notes. So that's where Kelly and I land on it. You guys can share your own opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly... 
the question a lot of us have been talking about is what do we do? How can we be proactive? How can we stay in the spirit of the season without groaning and rolling our eyes at how much stuff is coming into our house, both the sugary kind, which I don't know, I don't get too uptight about that at the holidays. Maybe, maybe that's not good parenting, but you know, it's Mm. once a year. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that Halloween is honestly worse than oh, Christmas gosh, as yes. far as the sugary holiday you know, stuff. Yes, they do at the end of the school, whenever their Christmas break starts, they end up with you know class parties and everybody's giving candy and candy canes. Oh my goodness, the candy cane explosion that yeah. you know, last few days before Christmas. <laughs> um, but it doesn't seem to be that part of the excess is not what worries me as much as the stuff. The stuff. Yeah. So... Strategy-wise, what are some things that you have kind of come up with through the years? Do you have some tips or tricks to help us in this area? Yeah, I wish I had like seven foolproof steps because I feel (laughs) like I'm just crawling along in the muck, you know, with everybody in the Western world when it comes to this topic. Um, I think adding to the frustration for us and maybe for you too is, you know, we have four kids and... By the time you get to that fourth one, you have everything ever yes. made. Yep. I could populate an entire Toys R Us is what it feels like, at least in every category. Right. You know, so when it comes to even birthdays, but for sure Christmas and family members are saying, what would so-and-so like? You're like, I don't even know. Like right. we have Legos. We have lots of Legos. So you could go buy it at a Lego set if you want, but it's not, you know, like it's there. We have dolls. We have the fake food. We have the you know, guys, as I say, it's the imaginic stuff. We have trains. I mean, we have books, we have puzzles, we have everything, everything. And I am always decluttering and yet we have everything. Right. So what we have done, and part of it is because of where we are in our parenting journey, because I think that when the kids were younger, when I just had two and we didn't have everything, it was more fun to say, Hey, yeah, you know, we could use as a bike or, you know, one of those little kitchens or something like that. Um, but we started to really focus more on experiences. Yes. That's gifts. what I was going to suggest to you. Yes. Then stuff. So um, whether it's coming from us or other people, uh, you know, taking them to a movie and, and you taking them, if you, if it's possible for the person who wants to give the gift, why don't you take them to go see a movie or to go ice skating or out for lunch to their, just their favorite restaurant? I think any family that has kids that have more than one sibling, any one-on-one attention is like gold to them. Gold to them. So to say, I will come and pick you up and just you and I will go get coffee or go eat at your favorite restaurant um, is um, an amazing gift, you know, and, or memberships at places. That's a gift that I've often suggested if people want to give something Um, or consumables. I mean, that, that kind of works too. Like magazines, my daughter's super into like highlights you know, they're not the cheapest magazine. So something like that, that can keep on giving. And I know we've talked about some of these in the hangout group as well. Some of the different subscriptions that you can get yes. to, you know, Kiwi science kits. And yes. yes, all of those. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those are fun too. Um, but man, I don't know. We always battle this stuff and then the gimmies that go with it, you know, as far as opening a present on Christmas day and, and being like throwing it aside, where's the next present? Yes. And we're like, okay. <laughs> Yes. What are we going to do? I know that some people, maybe you're going to mention this. Um, I have not yet done this, but I'm right on the verge of just doing four presents 
for their kids doing the yes. something that you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. Right. Yes. And if I had known that 14 years ago, that would be part of our family lexicon because I really think it makes the kids too prioritize. And we're saying, hey, here's what's important. And I know a lot of families, they do that. Those four gifts are from the parents from or the parents, right? Uh-huh. to the kids. Um, and because they're like acknowledging that they're going to get gifts from grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and other people in their lives. So it's not like you're a huge Scrooge about Christmas, but that's a great way to limit it and to help your kids really prioritize what they want instead of having a hundred page list of right. the things that they, they must have, yes. must have, or their holiday will be ruined to right. say, Hey, what's that one thing that you really want? I think... I really do think in our generation of parents, maybe this is just the circles I travel in, I'm not sure, but I feel like in our generation of parents and those that are younger than us, limiting the presence, either doing that four present one, some people are inspired by the uh, gifts of the three wise men, uh, and they just do three gifts. I think that many of us, especially because we're the ones that have to deal with the presents once they're given, are really on board with that. I think that sometimes where it gets tricky is when we have grandparents or other extended family members that genuinely, out of the best of intentions, let's just Mm -hmm. assign positive intent, (laughs) and they want to shower the kids with gifts and have a present festivus on Christmas morning or, (laughs) you know, whenever you get together with family to celebrate, to have a huge stack of presents to open. And I think that's where it gets tricky for a lot of parents because you don't want to interfere with the gift giving heart of that particular extended family member. But at the same time, oh my goodness, here comes more stuff. So I think that, like you said, proactively suggesting some non-cluttery gifts, whether it's you know, like a zoo membership, a museum membership is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Lessons, if they want to be extravagant with what they give the child, maybe pay for a year of dance lessons or art lessons or whatever that I'm sure any parent would welcome that as a gift. You know, just trying to be imaginative and try to be proactive with what is given to your child. I wrote about this at the Art of Simple years ago, and um, I'll, I'll try to dig up the link for this. It's one of the most commented on posts there because people have a lot of big feelings about this, but I genuinely do believe, and I know this sounds a little harsh on the surface, but I do believe that you can't tell a person what to give. It is up to the gift giver to decide what the gift is. But as the receiver or the overseer of the gifts, once they come into your house, it's up to you to decide if it stays in your house. Yes. I think this can be a huge issue too, and sometimes some really unhealthy dynamics can come to the surface. For example, if you feel really strongly about Barbies, let's say, for example, for the record, I love Barbie. I don't care. Who knows? (laughs) But let's say you have big feelings about Barbie. You don't want your daughters or your sons to have Barbies to play with. But you have, let's say, some extended family member who loves Barbies and is insistent that your child needs Barbies and against your wishes is going to buy Barbies anyway. Then it becomes a question of, well, now what do we do about this? And so, you know, then you as the family have to kind of negotiate once that gift has been given, you know, do you keep the Barbies? Do you quietly shuttle the Barbies out to Goodwill once they've been played with for a day or two? Um, so those that's where it kind of gets into a really sticky situation. And, you know, Kelly and I are not licensed professionals. We can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do we play one on TV no, we or don't even, on the podcast. Yeah, we don't even play them. Um, 
So I just want to acknowledge that, yes. you know, as parents, we totally can decide what is this gift giving situation going to look like in our family, that we're the, we are the captains of this ship and we will decide what it looks like in our family, but we cannot be the boss of other people. And so right. then it's up to us to navigate, okay, now how are we going to respond to this? So, right. And I absolutely have taken gifts before, like in past years that, again, in my opinion, you know, we're just kind of one trick ponies. Yeah. So they got played with for two days after Christmas and then they got left in the dust. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm going to put that in the closet and see if anybody even notices. Right. And what? guess what? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't. And so that went to Goodwill. So I, and I've also said to my kids, and again, especially I think as kid population in your family grows and the amount of stuff that you have, you know, we have a finite space for it. So I, I do start to say before Christmas sometimes, let's go through and, and see, you know, if you got something, where are you even going to put these things? That's right. You know, because we can't just keep piling things on. Or after Christmas, if they really like that thing, and I'm thinking, where are you going to put that? I will bring the child in and say, okay, so here is the bookshelf or here is the toy cabinet. What are we going to get rid of Right. to make space yes. for this new thing that you really want to keep? And so just trying, I mean, I, I do that to myself too, Yeah. you know? I mean, in my closet, whatever, just say at some point we have to make some decisions. And that's a skill to teach your kids. That's not a bad thing. I think so. that is so true. That's a great skill for all of us to have that idea of when in, when out. And I yes. don't think kids are ever too young to start learning that concept. If you really, really want to keep this Barbie, that's okay. So what from this limited amount of space to store your toys is going to hit the road. I love that. Another solution, I just thought of this, another solution that we used for several years when my parents lived close by is we just, any toys that my parents got, we kept at my parents' house. Mm. My parents haven't had kids at home for a very long time. So they had like no toys when we started um, our family. So that was actually just a really great solution. There were toys that they only got to play with when they were visiting their grandparents. And that kind of kept the special factor going too. So that's another creative way to look at it is, let them buy the presents they want, but then they got to figure out how they're going to store that stuff. <laughs> right, right. Or rotating them. I've even Rotate, had some yes. friends that will, you know, whether they just put things away in their own family, you know, they put a big box out in the garage or something and then rotate toys in and out, or they'll even rotate them amongst cousins. If you have cousins yeah. at the same age, yeah. they'll say, well, we got this, but then we're going to rotate that, you know, amongst families. And that keeps the joy giving too. That's right. Well, speaking of joy and the joy of the season, we do not want to leave you with the impression that Kelly and I think that the holidays is all about navigating stress because it's yeah. not. There are so many wonderful, amazing things to do during the holidays, traditions to begin and to build on through the years. We asked you all to share some of your favorites with us. Kelly's going to start us out. We're just going to kind of share some of our favorites that came through that we wanted to share with you all. Yes, I love this one. This one comes from one of our listeners, Christine, and she has a really fun tradition. She says, I have a fun holiday tradition to share. I try to reserve the first Saturday of December well in advance with my group of friends to host my annual sleigh bell soiree. It's a holiday pajama party in which we simply watch a Christmas movie, string popcorn and cranberries, and sip my stovetop peppermint mochas. I try to keep it really simple so it's something I can actually accomplish and look forward to. Amen? Right? Yes. Yes. And hosting it early in the season usually brings me a nice turnout since people aren't yet swamped with holiday opportunities and obligations. This year will be my sixth annual and I can't wait to just hang with my friends. 
How awesome is that? So awesome. I love it. I'm really inspired and thinking, I don't know that this is the year when I have two two two-year-olds to start this tradition, but as the kids get older, I definitely want to start something like this going. So fun. Okay, now Marissa has a super practical suggestion and idea. She wrote in to say, hi, I adore the podcast. Thank you, Marissa. She said her favorite holiday idea is using Elfster.com, Elfster.com, for organizing secret Santa exchanges. Now, this, Kelly, has come up in several discussions in the Hangout group because what Elfster.com does is it's a free website that you can use, and it organizes secret Santa for you. So whether you do it in your office Um, with family, with friends, however, it puts it all together and keeps it secret. And you can build your own wish list in there so people aren't getting just rando things. So it's such a fun and helpful website. So Marissa wrote, I wrap up holiday themed picture book and we read one, we read one each night in December until Christmas. I make a crock pot breakfast on Christmas Eve. So it's ready in the morning, which that is such a great idea. Uh One year, we put a magic ticket under my son's pillow, which took him to our car with Coco, and we went in our jammies to see Christmas lights. Oh, I love it. We watch the Muppet Christmas Carol and donate to a food bank. And most importantly, I give myself grace to skip Elf on the Shelf. Marissa, (laughs) I am giving you a fist bump and a high five. We do not do Elf on the Shelf either. I have no philosophical objection to it. I just don't want to mess with it every year. I don't really have a philosophical objection, but it's creepy. It's a little creepy. It's a little Can creepy. I just be honest and say, if I had an elf watching me in my house all the time, I would want to punch it in its little face. Yes. It's not a fun thing for me. So I know so, so many people who do it well. Do it and so it's fun. so much fun. So their funny. kids look forward to it. Yes. yes. So, but see, that's all about picking and choosing, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I love that idea. Going to look at Christmas lights is one of my very favorite traditions from when I was growing up, when I was a little girl, is, you know, practically free to just drive around and look at Christmas lights. So Marissa, thank you so much for sharing your favorite holiday traditions. Kelly, what was the next one? Yeah, I have one more here. It's from Kelly, not me, in Oregon. And she says, and this is such a fun idea, you guys. When I was in college, I decided to plan something fun to do while I'd be home with my family who lived states away. My mom, mom and I decided to hold an annual Christmas Iron Chef competition. Each year, for several years, we picked an interesting mystery food that everyone had to use, like ginger or jalapeno, in a dessert. So fun. I love it. Isn't that funny? We picked a day, usually the Saturday before Christmas, to hold the competition, and all day long, each member of my immediate family baked and cooked together while trying not to let the others know what we were making. That night, we invited friends and neighbors to come over to judge in a blind taste test. All the goodies were set out, and the eating and voting began. It was so much fun and a really low-key way to entertain guests. We gave out prizes for best tasting, most creative, and best use of the mystery ingredient and sent home leftovers with our friends. Now that we are all off and married, I think we need to bring this tradition back with a family feud twist. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It's so so fun. Which really, it points to the fact that we can all be creative and say, hey, why not try this is something totally different. Yes. Like when the whole Christmas sweater thing started yeah. maybe five years ago. I mean, I don't know. Now it's like it's a whole industry yeah. to crank out ugly Christmas sweaters in December because of all the parties. But such a fun idea of just taking it down a notch, saying, hey, let's do this for fun. And it's the pressure's off and let's enjoy each other. I love that idea. Super creative, Kelly. Love it. 
Love it. I have um, a reminder from our listener, Nicole. This was something I was actually going to bring up on the show, but I'm just going to read you what she wrote. She says, hi, Megan. I've been listening to your show from the beginning, and it's the highlight of my Friday. Thank you for that, Nicole. That is your Christmas gift to me. (laughs) She wrote, one thing that I don't like about the holidays is the focus is so much on gifts, and it becomes stressful. She wrote, her church does Advent Conspiracy, which, Kelly, I'm sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, Advent Conspiracy. Um, so she said that she likes it because it's not just saying to not give gifts at all, but just to be more thoughtful with your gift giving. She says they instituted that in their family and it takes a lot of the stress out and it's a gentle reminder to their son about the reason for the season. So if you're not familiar with Advent Conspiracy, you can go to adventconspiracy.org and read more about it. But they basically have the idea that it's not enough to say no to the way Christmas is celebrated by many. We need to say yes to a different way of celebrating. So being like super thoughtful, super intentional, they have four principles that they live by for Advent Conspiracy. Worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. I'll let you guys go and check that out when you have time. I'll put it into the show notes as well. But that is something that started a few years ago, and it's really gotten traction through the years because I think as a culture, we are craving simplicity. We're craving the meaning behind why we do all of these things, and Advent Conspiracy can really guide you along the way. One last thing I wanted to share was from listener Jess. She's a blogger at ReluctantSojourner.com, and she actually wrote a series about how to have more joy and less stress at Christmas, and I wanted to share this little uh, story from her about why she wrote this series about it. She says, one of the things that was the catalyst for me writing this was I was super stressed out about Christmas from finances to doing the countdown, all the Christmas activities you find on Pinterest, trying to balance people's expectations, traveling, feeling guilty about not doing enough Jesus-y activities, even though at the time my children were 11 months and barely three. (laughs) (laughs) One night, my husband just looked at me and said, if you don't get it right, Jesus won't be born. (laughs) She said it made me laugh and pretty much broke all the crazy. If Christmas is primarily about the gift of Christ, then I can't mess it up. So she wrote a whole series about having more joy and less stress in the Christmas season. So I will put that into the show notes as well. Jess, thank you for telling that story on yourself. It really made me laugh. Yeah, it's a good one. Now, Kelly, I know you're trying to start a new family tradition in your family this year that sounded fun to me. You had told me that you were thinking of doing a Christmas smorgasbord this year. <laughs> smorgasbord? I don't even know how to say it. Like Swedish chef on, on the Muppets, you know, work, work, work. Um, so, yeah, I got this idea, and this is kind of like that um, Iron Chef competition idea where it just kind of came to me, and I thought, now that would be fun. That would be something different. And it started just last week. We went to Ikea just to pick up some things and to do a little shopping because we have one here in the Twin Cities. I know. I'm so sorry that you don't have one, Megan. Nothing just here. We'll take a little moment of silence. Nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they have those great Swedish meatballs. And I live here in the land of Scandinavia. Minnesota was originally populated by a lot of immigrants from Sweden and Norway. And so it's not uncommon to have Swedish meatballs at a holiday gathering. I started thinking, wouldn't it be fun to have a really Swedish gathering of food? I don't even know what that means yet, really, because I'm not Swedish or Norwegian or anything like that at all. (laughs) And my husband is half Korean. He's not either. But his, his adoptive family is in some ways. And so came to me as an idea of something new to try and it excited me. Um, 
and something that maybe the kids could get involved in because yeah. it is a tradition that we have yet. And so when it's a new tradition, hey, it's up for grabs. That's How is right. this going to look? And I have really, if I'm going to be completely confessional here, I've gotten to be very grinchy about Christmas in the last few years as I've paired back and I feel like I'm constantly pushing against other people's expectations or the seasonal expectations. And I think part of it is just my personality. I get bored with doing the same old, same old, same old, same old. Some people revel in that. My sister revels in that. Like she wants to order the same thing at the same restaurant. And after a while, I'm like, yeah, I've, I have been here done Christmas. Like I, I'm over it. So I have to find new ways to invigorate the holiday for me and to keep it kind of fresh. And peering back is for sure a huge way to do that. But maybe the Swedish smorgasbord. Yeah. Having, you know, just a different sampling of foods and breads and cheeses and things that are different, making it fun to have my kids say, hey, let's try something new and see how it goes. That's my idea for our family for this Christmas. Maybe Christmas Eve. I really love it. I think it's just, it's so awesome. You have a blank slate. And so if there's something you've been wanting to try, something to just do things a little bit different, go ahead and try it. Kelly and I are totally giving you permission to do that this year. (laughs) All right, Kelly, before we wrap up, remind us where we can find you all around the web. Well, I am most easily found on Twitter and Instagram because that's where I hang out these days, at Kelly at Lovewell. I'm also somewhat blogging at lovewellblog.com. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg, or come talk to us about all of this stuff on Facebook in our Hangout group, facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We're also on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sorta awesome. If you have feedback on the show or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at sorta awesomemegan at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, it would be the best holiday present ever if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.